I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And I'm Phil Wolf of the Nefris Initiative. You're listening to Snakes and Stogies. The only podcast dedicated to fine tobacco. All things reptile related. And the people who love them. As part of the Repetoculture Network. any minute <laughs> like the craziest lightning and giant cumulonimbus clouds that's my audio oh well it has been a, a, a week with you gone really i don't know it's just man it's just it's not the same okay well i appreciate that sincerely the feeling is mutual this is episode 124 of Snakes and Stogies, which is brought to you by Puget Sound Pythons. Check them out Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. Uh, they do really good stuff. They're really awesome people. We love them to death. And then black, blackboxcages.com. Check them out as well. You need a rack. You need a cage. They got something that works for everybody. They do. That they do. I love... All of my black box racks and cages. All of them. All of them. Top-notch quality craftsmanship. Very much so. Very much so. Uh, yeah, so is it... Have you adjusted back to being in the eastern time zone? Honestly, like, I'm, like, there's no jet lag when you're only going three hours, you know? But I will say this adjusting from no sleep and like tons yeah. of stuff to normalcy i'm still messed up man and like we i was doing the math and i think like i think i slept 11 hours in seven days like not including like air oh. travel and uh i was i was telling anna maria that one of the nights one of the days that we were out there um we we take naps right a little siesta you know to recharge not enough and I had my first ever um, inception dream where like I was in a dream and I was like, this isn't real. Like I don't, I don't work in a cigar store. Like this isn't real. And then like something horrible happens and I wake up and I'd be like, I still don't work in a cigar store. And like that happened like three or four times. Then finally I wake up and I'm like, Oh it's God, the, I'm in, an Airbnb in Arizona. Jesus. It's the delusion. Yeah. From yeah. the heat and the dehydration. Honestly. Yeah, it is. You know, so, but uh, it's good to be back, man. It's good to be back. I miss everyone. Everybody like my new Gila hat. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, it's one of those hats where like I don't want to sweat on it because I know I'm gonna mess it up, but I kind of do want to sweat on it and like get the get the herper out, you know. So, but yeah, man, it was a hell of a trip, adventure of a lifetime. Got to hang out with Nip Nip, which was amazing. And uh, he's exactly the same. <laughs> so it was good. It was good times, man. I got tons of pictures, tons of video. Um, and uh, for those of you who, haven't, who don't know, I went to Arizona and New Mexico with the NPR guys. And uh, I put up a little summary video on my Facebook page. So if anybody wants to see that, um, I'm sure I'll... I'm sure I could post it somewhere, send it to whoever wants to see it if they want to see it. Um, I don't know 
when or if they're going to do a recap show. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, Eric had said something. He was thinking about recording it this week. So I got to get with him and see what's what and see if they're going to do it or not. But yeah, man, it's good to be back. It uh, It's gross here. It's so humid. <laughs> and just, ugh, you know? So I too have a new hat. You Look do. That. You have the hat Look of hats, that. man. Look at that hat. Look at that hat. The oh, acid green. Oh, embroidered. Embroidered. <clears throat> uh, so I actually looked at, I'm, I'm going to start taking pre-orders on these bad boys. So there's two sizes. They're the same flex fit hats that Venom Life Gear uses on their flex fits. The one size fits all. Well, I say that there's a small slash medium and there's a large slash extra large. So there's two sizes technically. Um, these are the only hats that I, I like and that fit my head and not don't look dumb. A lot of times these hats aren't deep enough, and so they look kind of goofy. I look like the I look like Shorty from Temple of Doom most of the time. <laughs> no time to love, Doctor Jones. Doctor Jones. Uh, so these are these these I like. Um, if anyone is interested and wants to go ahead and pre-order one, I'm gonna I'm gonna be getting them ordered here probably in the next couple of days at work and. I don't know exactly when they'd get done because I know uh, my coworker who does all the embroidery, she stays pretty busy, but we're going to try and figure that out. So if you are interested, please message myself for the page on Instagram or Facebook and uh, we'll make it happen. So we have the regular acid green ones and then we actually have glow in the dark thread that is surprisingly bright considering nice, it's thread. Nice. How um, long does it last? Like if you hit it with a good flashlight, how long does it last? I haven't even tested it yet, honestly. I uh -huh. didn't want to. I didn't want to wear it and sweat in it because I well, wear I wear this all day, it. and like I've already been sweating in it, and I'm surprised. Yeah, you don't have to. You don't have to wear it to glow in the dark. It, you know. Just, just hit it with a flashlight real quick and flip the lights off. Get it glowing. Yeah, yeah. Well, what are you smoking today, sir? So this is a Warzone from Espinosa that my buddy Joe Blanco gave me. He came nice. over the other night and hung out, and we smoked some cigars and kicked it. And you know, Espinosa is one of those brands that I don't know that I've ever had a bad one. Like they're all, I agree. Like none of them are really anything like. Well, that's not true. The Murcielago is really good, but uh, they're all like they're all just really solid smokes. You know, yeah, they're all just they're all just good. Like I've, I, their portfolio across the board so far, from what I've had, which is a pretty good bit of it, it's been pretty solid. Where it is a good cigar, I would buy one. I would. Uh, I would carry them if I had a shop just because they, they have good stuff. So Yeah, man. I've never been disappointed. I This is my first cigar back from a trip, so I got to get back to Old Faithful. League of Provider number nine. So. League sounds good right now. Oh, it is. Oh, it's going to be. Hey, we got people from the future here. Good evening, Miss Ty. So I, too, could somehow send you guys hats. I'd have to send them to our buddy Jake Hansen for him to send to you from him there I'm in sure, Australia. But I'm sure if Jake got a hat, he would have no problem sending it to them. Yeah. Yep, so those are going to be available. Uh, planning on getting some shirts together 
I think Jake's actually planning on getting some shirts. He's going to get a, a, a small first run to see how those come out. So I don't know what really his plan with that is fully, but if you need shirts, if you have a logo that maybe is a, a little more complicated, we have digital printing, which helps with those more complicated logos. Uh, so hit me up. Bill Bradley got some lizard brain radio shirts. He should be receiving those within the next couple days. Um, you know, he can, if you have any questions as far as the quality of them, feel free to hit him up once he has his and see for yourself. So awesome. Awesome. How did Arizona compare to Texas? So, okay. So it looked very, so I got, I saw the videos and stuff. It looked very similar. It is. It's very similar in terms of aesthetic terrain, but it's not at all in the least capacity. It is two different ecosystems. There are mountains bordering Mexico. There are flat plains areas. There is barren desert, but it's not the same. And maybe it's because I'm a spaghetti Western junkie and it's burned in my brain from my father as a kid, but it's the legit wild West, man. And what's crazy is, is that I've done a fair bit of traveling, you know, in the United States, um, up and on the Eastern seaboard too many times to count, you know, I've, I've been out to Nevada You've also and been Utah. to Arizona previously too. Right, right, right. You've and been I, to I've, before, yeah. Huh? And, same area, but yeah, I've heard Nevada, I've heard Utah, I've heard Arizona, but it's not the same because I was with guys that this is what they do. You know, this is their life is, is planning these trips. And, and, and I cannot speak highly enough about Dustin Gron. Dustin Gron is Dustin Gron is, and was a quintessential piece to this trip. And I know the NPR guys are going to say the same thing, but that kid, not only does he know his stuff in terms of, uh, what to look for, when to look for it, where to look for it. Like he's, he's becoming, if not already on his way to be a master herper. And the amount of species that we saw in the short amount of time that we had, it, it was breathtaking, absolutely breathtaking. I mean, I don't want to give too much away because in case they want to do their, you know, NPR recap show and you know keep some suspense in there. Um, but yeah, but between having fantastic weather, you know, just a little bit of rain, just a little bit of cloud cover and the the right season, the right time of year and Dustin, you know, leading the way, so to speak, and being a, a bona fide guide, dude, it was a phenomenal trip, phenomenal trip. And Nipper's freaking taller than us. And that's annoying. Taller than you? Taller than me, Rob and burke i was gonna say i yeah. have a hard time believing he's taller than me but no, he's not tall he's not taller than you but we were <laughs> we were on the car getting ready to pick he was the last plane to land and we we're all like is he gonna be tall is he gonna be tall is he gonna be short and it's like a you blind know, date it's like it was, it was a blind dynamite date. when yeah. he was picking up the girl then, from the airport <laughs> exactly la fonda. And then, la, la fonda and and then we're pulling up to terminal three and there he is standing there with two backpacks because he didn't check a bag. He's got two backpacks and he's just looking all prim and proper. And it was like, I, I know that guy. I know that guy standing there. Oh, crap. He's tall. It was good. It was good. See, good I, I had like completely forgotten that he was even going. And so like I knew you were going to Arizona. I knew you were going with the NBR guys. I was like, that's cool. And then I saw the picture of Nipper like in the backseat. I was like, mother 
like oh i was so jealous man it's like hey i want to i want to go out that direction in the country again yeah and b it's like i mean it's nipper man i was like I was, it's, I was it's it's nipper half hoping he'd come to the east coast and i could at least find a way to to meet up with him at a chili's or something and, you know, and, <laughs> well i know i know he is so this is his first time herping in north america and uh, he'd come to the united states a few times before but this is his first time herping and it was incredible to see someone as him who is as worldly as he is, is as well-traveled as he is, but he was still enamored with every like little having, thing. It's like having E.T. on your, on your, yeah. on your and, team, and, man. You know, he's he's seen a billion different species of cactus in the desert, but he's never seen the Arizona ones. And like he's like looking at like he's like look at this flower and look at that flower and he's like oh yeah there's there's rocks and clouds and oh we're looking for animals too I forgot you know and 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 that was that's really gotta be that's gotta be bizarre to a degree because it's like yeah man it's cactus but I know it's it'd be the exact same thing yeah. if we went over there and saw like a burris or something yeah exactly where like exactly. he sees them in his yard and we're like oh my god vipera like coolest thing ever 100 percent. and he'd probably be like dude whatever like it's boring as hell like yeah. he like you know our our racers or copperheads you know we're like yeah it's, they're cool and then you have someone who like literally came from across the world just to, just to see that and oh my god yeah yeah and it was interesting because you know he had mentioned how about the halfway point of the trip he had mentioned how when he goes to a European country or a Middle Eastern country or what have you, if there's 10 species that he could possibly see, he's seen seven or eight of them already. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or he, maybe he's seen all of them already and he's looking for a, a specific phenotype or specific locality to photograph. But in this case, he hadn't seen anything. So of the you know yeah. 15 or 20 or however many odd species we saw, every single one was one that he's never seen before and i thought that was that was super special to yeah. be able to, and i mean to i don't witness. i don't want to cover everything because i know you guys are probably gonna do a recap show but yeah. I, the, the fact that you guys saw will already is is a big deal because that's his favorite species so i was yeah i was just glad that you guys actually found a a, a nice array of different species and yeah. stuff out there like he didn't go all the way out there only to you know come up short and find atrox or some other right. stuff like right. he would have enjoyed it regardless i know that but the fact that you guys found all those different species of buzztails and stuff like uh, that just that made me super happy for him because it's that yeah. makes the trip even more worth it for him right and especially seeing his his favorite you know his favorite species of i would have lost my mind seeing all of that so yeah man and, and that was the thing too is i think he did the right thing of not expecting to see anything but you know, I expect to see an Aatrox, a Western Diamondback. You know, you maybe you maybe you'll see you know a, a Mojave or something like that. But for us to see what we saw and to be his keynote species, like it was awesome. And and it's funny, he's gonna give me shit for this, but you know he's British and they're very dry. And seeing the smile on his face and the the look in his eye was the equivalent to an American going, yeah, yeah, oh my God, yeah. <laughs> and and I, I I love that. That was awesome. What was your favorite find of the whole trip? Um, I was, I'm torn, man. I'm torn be between 
obvious between the obvious and I don't know, man. It was it was very difficult. There's so many animals and so many awesome things that we that we did and saw. And I mean, like not again, not giving away too much, but when I got the, the little itinerary thing that Rob Stone puts out every time, it, it was like, okay, well, we land here. We have a four-hour drive to our Airbnb. Like, why did we do that? It's Texas all over again. And then, well, no, but it's not. But it's not because, like, there's other airports. Like, Texas, there was no airports. Like, we could have flown into Tucson or somewhere else. You know what I mean? And then Rob just texted me back saying, Dustin has a Serb spot. And the fact that we did... Everything with with Rob when it comes to these itineraries, like it's it's none of yeah. a coincidence. Like yeah. it's all by design. Just you just got to go all by design. You, know? you just got to ride and the it, wave. And the fact that he he's like he's like Dustin's got a Serb spot, and I was like, say no more. And then sure yeah. as hell, Four right there, trip. okay, just right there in the trail, just waiting to be photographed by us was the most lavender and rich, rich, violet-colored Cretala Cerberus I've ever seen. Fantastic. What time did you all get in? Uh, oof. I was, I think, the earliest. I think I landed at, like, 9.30 in the morning, and then everyone else, I think Nipper was the last wow. one. He landed at, like, 1.30 in the afternoon, something like that, or maybe okay. maybe 12.30. So you guys still had time after everyone had landed to, to go and get at least – you know, a quick kind of like when when we went to Texas, we had that quick sort of stop to to look. Yeah, around. So, yeah. Well, and that, that was the thing is so like we got everyone from the airport, we hit the road, and then probably about 30, 40 minutes into the drive, um, on our way to the to meet up with Dustin, uh, we had to go to In and Out Burger. Had to get <laughs> had to get Nipper his first in his first In and Out Burger, so we did that, and uh, that was good because we were all still we were all hot, tired, and hungry. It's and, literally uh, Encino Man. Like, it is it is <laughs> legit you know one minute two minutes one and a half and uh bing, meet group so uh <laughs> so then we meet up with dustin at this like biker gas station in the middle of nowhere and again he's tall too <sighs> So, uh, but that was good, man. It was, it was a blast. It was an absolute blast. So, I mean, I can, I could show the video, but I feel like that'd be a waste of six minutes of our show. So if anybody wants to see the video, let me know, go to my Facebook page if you want. And yeah, I'm going to open these cigarettes real quick. Do it. Smoking's bad for you. Yeah, I always feel bad because, like, when we did Texas, like, there was the recap episode, you know, and it's like, I want to talk about it, but I also don't want to, like, do the same show twice, basically, where it's like, we talk about it, and then they talk about the exact same thing. So, like, we'll touch on a little bit of stuff, but, I, you know, giving away, like, you know, there's plenty of stories and happenings and things, I'm sure, that you guys will get into, so we'll, right, we'll right. keep it pretty pretty light. Right, and, then, and that, was, that was the other thing, too, is, like, I started taking all this B-roll footage, and then, we're, obviously, we're photographing the animals, and... I said to to Burke on day like two, I was like, hey, man, let me know what you don't want me to post so that way we can like keep surprises for mm -hmm. like a recap show or whatever. And he's like, oh, I don't care, man. Show the world. And I was like, 
well, I don't want to do that. I want to, I want to make it, you know, build it up. And he's like, oh, all right, whatever. And then like he posts some stuff and Doc posts some stuff and the gloves came off and all the cool shit's already been shown off, but still. So, I mean, I have, I have t- tons of pictures, pictures I haven't even gone through yet. So if we want to post them later, we can or show them later, we can, but, but yeah, man, it was an adventure of a lifetime. So they have any horned lizards out there. Did you see any? We saw two DOR ones oh, and it was the same species as we saw in Texas. Oh, okay. But they, they've got like all the horned toads. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've got like maybe five or six species in, in where we were, but it's just the terrain is just so harsh. And so it really is very, very similar to, you know, outback Australia. It's just mm-hmm. so, so harsh, you know, and uh, the roads, there's no roads. Anyway. Yeah, I noticed that on the, some of the videos you posted, where you guys were were riding on like up these you know these mountains and stuff, these hills, yeah. and it's like yeah, that, that, there ain't a paved road in sight. Like even from a distance, you can't even see a paved road. Like it was yeah. wild. Yeah, and uh, I will say this is that you know we 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 know about the Sky Islands. We we look them up. We love the animals, and and you hear the term. <clears throat> excuse me. You hear the term montane rattlesnake, right? But it doesn't, I mean, maybe I, I don't want to speak for everyone, but for me, I was like, oh, cool, Montane rattlesnake. It's a mountainous rattlesnake. No, you don't realize the difference. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's a Montane rattlesnake. You, you keep them a little cooler. No, you don't, you don't realize that when you're at 2,500 feet above sea level and it's 102 degrees out with, you know, 8% humidity, and then you go up to seven, 8,000 feet up, it was like 60 degrees. Another planet. Yeah, it literally um, is. It's another world. And just the the rocks and and the plant life. And, you know, you're going up these mountains, right? And the mountains are super winding and super steep. And then you're just watching the ecosystem change as you mm-hmm. go up. You know, and that was super cool. And uh, and and Ty, Ty hit the nail on the head. Um, yeah, you finally you saw a coral, buddy. Yeah, and not only did I see a coral, I, I lived saw one vicariously of, through you. On yeah, that. N- not only did I see a coral, but I saw one of the rarest corals out there, uh, the Sonoran coral. And I think, honestly, I think that was that was probably my favorite of the thing. I mean, because the Cerberus is awesome. I've kept Cerberus before; super awesome animals. But finding a Sonoran coral, and I didn't—I mean, I didn't find it. Doc found it, but just to be there to experience it, and uh, for anyone who saw the video or saw photos of the coral snake all balled up in a little ball. Uh, it was balled up in a ball because it kind of got away from us and I put my foot down and I let it slither under my foot. And I guess I had just the right amount of space in the sole, like the arch of my shoe mm-hmm. for it to stay. And then everyone was like, okay, all right, ready, ready, everybody ready. Yeah. Three, how was, two. Taking pictures of that was a nightmare. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Like if anyone's ever, ever come across corals, like they really don't sit still. They're, they're yeah. like colubrids in that, in the worst yeah. way, you know, it's, it's, yeah, and uh, I was impressed. It, it was it was incredible too. Is I, I just to just go back on the whole ecosystem thing is that everything is so reliant on rain and moisture. And we Doc found the coral, and we were photographing some other stuff, and we're standing there, and like all of us, are like man, what are the odds? What are the odds that Doc's just walking around in the open desert? He's like a, a magnet, core. man. He, he really is a magnet. It, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> he he has a you know serpento magnetism, um, but then all of a sudden I think I don't know if it was 
Nipper or Eric, but somebody's like, I just felt a raindrop. And we're like, what? And then like you'd hear the wind coming and then you'd smell like this mm-hmm. wet, this wet dust. And that was it. And it started to drizzle. And it's like, dude, that coral snake knew exactly what the freaking barometric pressure was. And he was like, or she was like, it's going to rain. I'm going to come out and get some frogs or something. Lizards, skinks, other snakes, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and dude, that was, that was the luck of it, man. You know? So uh, a breathtaking adventure of a lifetime. I'm glad I did it. I just, I I just want to, be uh, in the van listen to the conversations you know <laughs> it was it was real tight man there was no van i did not rent the van this time we used uh we used dr julander's suv and uh it was smushed man it was very thank god he had that spare like captain's chair that folds out of the trunk because <laughs> because and, and burke was really the only one that f- kind of fit back there and uh <laughs> he didn't mind i mean i'm sure he did he was just being nice but uh but yeah, man, it was it was a tight squeeze, but we did it. It was fun. It was awesome. So. And then was it before or after you left that you had an egg and you got an egg? I came home to it. So, so I cough, was cough cough. No, nah, I was drinking iced tea and I got a little I got a little you know a, a bufo in my throat. So excuse me, Ranella. Um, yeah. So before the trip. Like the night before, I reset all the egg boxes and I was like, they're all fat. They all look good and happy. I'm like, they're all going to drop and I'm going to get screwed and come home to petrified eggs. Right. And I came home and uh, they were all, all the, all of them were dry as a bone because it was a week, you know. And uh, I was like, oh crap. And I look and one of them is still fat. The other one looks like she laid. Another one looks like she laid. And I was like, man, this sucks. Like now I got to go digging. And I guess they were just fat or maybe I missed it. I I don't know, but I checked everything and I got one flawless, perfect egg that is now incubating and that's it. So, I mean, I ripped everything apart, so I got it in time. It was probably, it may have been late a day or so, but uh, it wasn't dried out. It was still, you know, gooey and and plump and uh, yeah, we'll see what happens in a few weeks. And that was Amy A.? No, no, that was uh, Synctus. Oh, okay. Yeah, Synctus. Nice. So, yeah. And uh, everything else is good, man. You know, I uh, I made sure I fed stuff a couple days before I left, just in case I had some regurge or whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, topped off water bowls. And, uh, dude, I just, I was like, oh, man, I got so many snakes to top off water bowls. I'm like, I got to do this, I got to do that. I was like, oh, yeah, eight of them don't need water. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and then I walk over, I look at the Serastis, and they're all like, water. <sighs> so, but it's good, man. I didn't come home to anything dead. I didn't come home to any regurge, knock on wood. So uh, it was good. Always nice. It's always nice. I didn't come home to a broken thermostat or anything, knock on that's wood. That's also nice. Yeah, right. I, I, that, that's actually what I was worried about. So, because... Yeah. Uh, I usually I like to check wires and check, you know, uh, uh, ducking tape and, and the, like the metallic tape and make sure that things are still where they're supposed to be. And I forgot to do that. You know, so you're on the, the big metal bird flying to your destination going, oh, crap, I forgot to check the drawer tape and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, everything, every little thing that you might have. Uh... 
forgotten right. you know all the all the small stuff that you see every day and you're like yeah i'll get that tomorrow whatever and then you don't and... yeah and and meanwhile i was so worried about having all my equipment you know the snake hooks and gps and survival stuff and first aid and all that crap because i knew we were going to be in the middle of nowhere you know what i forgot a freaking phone charger <laughs> i mean luckily you know uh papa burke has an arsenal of electronics at his disposal god bless him but uh but yeah, man, I, I can't believe I forgot a freaking phone charger. I mean, I've got like, and then and Nipper's like, I'm surprised you don't have a solar panel. I was like, guess what? I forgot that too. <laughs> so that was with the phone charger. <laughs> but Ty said there's a very interesting paper with significant ramifications for herpeticulture. And I'm asking what that is. Be a messenger right now because I'm ready for an eye roll. Probably nice. some, some non purple person going they're they're taking everything from the wild they're inbreeding everything <laughs> oh man unless it's scott using her name which is quite possible awesome. no I, I like to think it's her so what did i miss while i was gone man not a whole lot um Jake and I had our one-on-one last week, which was yeah. I caught, a little, I caught most of it. I'm still trying to play catch up on podcasts. It was good. Uh, Snakes and Stogies was, was all right. Um, Dion's hatched. I was just about to say the D word. Uh, I'm waiting, so I should have some first sheds from those here within the next day or so, and then I'm gonna start offering some food. Nice. Um, hopefully, get more accurate sexing on them. Uh, I was on Colubrid and Colubroid Radio yesterday, Excellent. last Excellent. last night. So I'm really excited about that. That was fun. Um, what do you mean? All right, Bill said. We just I feel like we didn't we didn't cover a whole lot. There's a lot of a lot of rambling is all. Uh, evidence of UV regulation is more important than thermoregulation in Scaloporus. That's because they live in the rocks. It is, Scott. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of Scaloporus. And what's crazy is, I didn't realize this, but when you see the the like rock embankments where the Scaloporus live, you think, okay, it's, it's rocky. It's, it's a bunch of rocks, you know? According to my cohorts on this trip, those rocks go down like 10 feet. I believe it. So like they're always saying like, hey, don't step on the rocks because if you like have like four or five collapse, you really collapsed like 20 and whatever was living down there just got smushed. Oh, that makes yeah. sense. So I thought yeah. that was super interesting. So. Bill and Billy, it's because I didn't have any like agenda in terms of like topics. Well, I can say that I did catch a little bit of it, and I loved seeing Billy Jenkins on there. Billy Jenkins, you're a savage, and I love you. And it's always a pleasure to have Bill on the show. Absolutely, it is. And I was I was a little but uh, I was a little bummed uh, about Eli not having service, but yeah, his he'll, he'll get over it. He's in like a, a dead zone or something because he was in and out the entire time. Yeah, it's called East Florida. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, but other than hey, that, I mean, it's, uh, you know, Dion's all all are looking good. I'm trying out some of these containers that Chris Montross recommended from Dollar Tree, which are like 96 ounce. 
nice. sort of flatter, but they have the same sort of footprint as like a six court. So they're stackable. Uh, they work really well for, for small hatchling stuff. So that's what I'm going to kind of roll with, uh, with the corns and stuff that are coming just because not knowing how long I'm going to hold on to them or, or what sure, I'm going to sure. hold on to, you know, it didn't seem like it warranted necessarily an entire new rack. Yeah. Uh, so, and that, that clutch that I saw you post earlier, that was corns. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the, the next clutch cool. that's due to hatch. And that is the ladies Island pair, but it's a different, male from last year um same female different male and then following that by like a week is the ladies island male to the ghost tessera and then there's some bears clutches that are still a, a good ways out so how many bears clutch two if you if you even want to count like one of them it's only two eggs because the others were all bad so ah, that's nice. um and those are the head hypos, but the Loma Alta clutch, that's eight eggs and they're all pristine. So good. The important ones. I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. Uh, yeah. And then I have the blood red female who I thought had a prelay shed a couple weeks ago. She is actually in her prelay shed now. Um, so she's going to lay those probably won't be happening until like, like hatching, depending on what I get and what's viable um, until like mid August. I'd imagine if not, Okay. Closer to Daytona. So we'll see. All right. Um, other than that, I don't unless stuff starts double clutching, I think that's gonna be it for the year because the Thorn Scrubs didn't go. The Bimaculata okay. didn't go. Uh, which we talked about a little bit on Colubrid and Colubroid Radio last night. Um talked a lot about about the Dion's and it was meant to be a sort of more of a Baird's focus, and of course it 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 took many a turns into other rat snakes and, and stuff like that so That'll i happen. enjoyed it I, I really 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 do like talking to matt and zach you know they're, yeah man they're just they're, they're awesome any operator when they're you know when they asked me to come on i was like absolutely man it's like i i love talking to those guys yeah well what are you gonna say no they're right like, no right I, I don't like your educational awesomeness uh, and then well i mean with the last like half hour or so Zach's power went out, so it was just me and Matt, but ah, okay. um it was still good. I mean it was it was awesome. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh glad to hear it, man. I can't wait to listen to it. I posted some pictures of the Dion's clutch on Morph Market on the forums on there because I do periodically hop on there and try and you know, be active and, and engage. And right. uh there was a surprising amount of people. I mean it wasn't a ton of replies, but there were people that are like, I've never even heard of those before. Nice. So I thought that was cool. You know, Very I posted cool. a couple of pictures on Instagram. Same thing. People are like, I've never even heard of those. And it's like, they're awesome little snakes, man. They're, they're just yeah, really cool. That's awesome. That's good stuff. Real good stuff. And uh, Steve Poole, you're awesome and we love you. And uh, you better be in Daytona, FYI. So the interesting Let's... point is that if UV regulation is more important than thermoregulation, then it kind of blows the whole UV is not required out of the water. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, but I feel like you're almost comparing you're you're comparing, you know, UV for general motor functions to heat for digestion, right? Like how do you compare those two? Well, it's also one of those things where they're whether they want it or not, they're getting it. 
Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I that's a whole. I'm not against UV at all. Do I offer it to to all of my animals? No. My Jansen, I have it. My Ackies have it. Uh, when I upgrade the rhinos, I think per Matt Most's suggestions, I think I'll I'll, I'll I'm, I'm planning to offer it to them as well. Um. If I like, if I'm if I end up doing sort of bigger, more elaborate setups with some of the stuff I have, then I I likely will just because it's not like it's any sort of major inconvenience or expense to add to cages. But for the corns and and beards and stuff like that, and and deons and whatnot, it's like I don't yeah yeah I don't feel compelled to to offer it to them. But yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I'm probably when I finish the field eye enclosure, I'm probably going to do UV. I'm probably going to do a shitload of UV, but I also want to give them a lot of nooks and crannies to get out of it in case they want to, because they really don't bury themselves like Serastes do. They kind of find rock crevices and stuff like that to mm -hmm. kind of get up in. Um, but I do notice that like on my days off when I can go in there at say 10 or 11 in the morning, they are basking. You know what I mean? As much as they can yeah. do in their in in their tub, but uh, but yeah, I think uh, I think I'm gonna focus on that too because I've got UV on the wrinkles, so you know why not? It just I, I I've talked about it before with you know condros and stuff like that. Like David Brahms offers his UV only for a couple hours a day, and if I were gonna do UV, that's that's the way I would do it right now. Yeah. Oh, they, yeah. The Jansen and I have it all day, but it's it's one of the shade dwellers, so it's not anything like super powerful. Uh, but they also have so much cover to get away from it that right. you know, I'm not worried about it. But for something yeah. like a chondro that's out in the open all the time, you know, it'd definitely be something where I'd like four six hours a day and then have it on a timer and, and it cut off. So yeah, that's that's pretty much what I have with the ring calls. So their UV light goes on at like eight in the morning. But then it turns off at, I think, right now, because it's summer, it turns off at 2. And then their heat lamp goes on at, like, 11. And that turns off also at 2. But there's still lights on in the room until 8 o'clock at night. So they still have the day cycle. There's a window and all that jazz. So I'll probably do something very similar with the field eye. Mm -hmm. It would be interesting, too, to see, like, those in the in the Serastes, you know, how they, yeah. the differences in how they, they take it in. Well, yeah. so the Serastes are in that um, uh, Sean Wagner rack, right? Mm -hmm. And I basically converted that to be desert, right? And it's got major U uh, LED lights. So I set the LED lights to the appropriate Calvin. And, uh, dude, all day long they're buried. So I kind of like they're, they're, not, they're not using the UV at all. I mean, except for like maybe the, the bridge of their nose. But the rest of the snake is under sand. So I kind of was like, ah, I'm not gonna give them UV because they're not they're not using it. You know what I mean? Right, right. So, hey, yeah, Eric, Podfather's Eric, here. He yeah. said he, uh, Eric, Podfather said he he has all the UV data from the trip. He has to make a PDF of it. Awesome. Yeah, I told I told Podfather that I'm going to procure him a tactical vest that has just the right amount of pockets for. The UV index reader, the ambient temperature reader, the temp gun, his little notebook, his little moleskin notebook. So <laughs> I'm I'm definitely getting him that. 
Because that was the whole thing. It was like, hey, Eric, what's this? Hey, Eric, what's that? And he'd be like, hold on. He'd have to take his backpack off. He'd have to rummage through it. Like, no, no, no. Next trip, we're going tactical. Got to get uh, get them all decked out, you know? He'd yeah. be like Rambo with the uh, just the belts of yeah. gear, you know? Yep, 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 yep. So I will say this. I This is my first trip using my brand new Garmin. And uh, how was that? It was awesome, man. Because I'm we're in the middle of freaking nowhere, and you know, Anna Marie and I have not been dating that long. We've been dating over a year. But the first the when we you and I went to Texas with them, her and I had just started dating, you know. Mm-hmm. And now it's like settled in that I'm going to be in the middle of nowhere, you know. And you know, the the significant others they they worry a little bit. So I was like, look, I'm going to text you from this, you know, satellite transponder just don't reply because i pay for everyone you know what i mean don't engage in major conversation but she was great about it just a proof of life exactly so like i have these preset messages it's like infield because you have only have so many characters you can you can use it's like infield no cell service all is well do not reply (laughs) so yeah brandon valentine says a tactical fanny pack i love it um but dude using that was awesome because like no fear of oh we'll get stuck who cares I'll yeah message something, yeah you know and uh but the cool thing is it has the 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 global compass and the altimeter so like when we're looking for clobberai it's Hold like on. oh we're we're at 5500 feet of elevation this is perfect you know so that was pretty cool What's up, Herr Hector? Let me tell you something about this little pastor, right? I was trying to make my sandwich to take with me to lunch earlier this morning. We're talking about his cat, by the way. And this fool jumped up on the counter and started eating turkey off my damn sandwich. That little snipe. I mean, like, didn't even didn't even pause just jumped up there and just grabbed a piece and i was like are you fucking kidding me he's well, at least he at least didn't take the whole thing freaking cat man he just don't care hey at least he ate it and he didn't just like swipe it off the counter under the floor you know so i was pissed just the nerve man <laughs> and yes anna maria love of my life you were not the only one that worried she's in the group chat Mr. Bigglesworth. <laughs> yeah, that's true, Vic. It's all Mr. Good, Bigglesworth. See you soonish. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's definitely something I would have around if I was uh out where like we were, you know, in Texas and out, yeah. out there in Arizona and stuff. You know, I I can't yeah. say I'd I'd feel much more comfortable having that around. Sure, absolutely. And you know, subscription plan is is relatively uh, inexpensive for what it is. It's definitely cheaper than a sat phone. I'll tell you that. Both the device and like you know, using the data and and stuff like that. Because I looked at getting a sat phone, and even if you buy a really good used one, uh, some of the top ones that are like three, four grand, whatever they are, if not more, you can find them. You know, pr- certified pre-owned for like seven, eight hundred bucks. But you still got to buy the phone card. You still got to buy minutes and like deal yeah. with that. At least with this, not only do I have a an actual legitimate GPS that I can track my movements, I can set waypoints, I can find my way out of something. It has full topographical everything. Um, 
but I can send text messages and SOS and stuff. So it's a no brainer, you know? <clears throat> so, um, oh, what was I going to ask? It'll come back to me in a second. Okay, fair enough. But it was it was asking about the uh, the trip, but I'm blanking all of a sudden. It's okay. Happens the best of it's us. So frustrating. I know. I know. It's cool. We won't edit this out. <laughs> we're talking about GPS. We're talking about you know letting the the significant others know that we're alive and not bitten. All that jazz. Well, first of all, did Stone trick you into another uh, Lost Mine-esque hike? No, no, because we had this Smitty Tears barometer, you know? And, uh, you know, we would get out there, and he'd be like, oh, by the way, guys, this is this is only one Smitty Tear. Like, all right, cool, no problem. <laughs> and then, you know, the, then that night we'd be sitting around the, the, the campfire, so to speak, around the round table, and he'd be like, so hey, I'm thinking tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow we're gonna do this and that, and then um, if we want, we can go here. But it's it's probably like a solid two or three Smitty tears. All right, you know what? I think everyone's cool. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll do it. We'll do Such it. A we'll do bullshit it. measurement because I didn't. I'm not the one who quit. Yeah, I didn't I was, quit. I, I knew was my at the limits. Top, man. I didn't quit. I knew my limits. I knew what I was capable of. So I stopped at an appropriate altitude. The longest hike was only 10 miles, Dustin said. Right, exactly. Did you guys see? You didn't see any Gila's, did you? No, no, we did not. I bought the damn hat for good luck to see a freaking Gila. But, <laughs> but yeah. Because the ones hey. you have at home are just like, meh. It's not the same, man. It's not, not the, the same. same. And it's like, it's crazy because every single Crotalus that we saw on the trip, I've kept. But it's not the same. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. Like, the, like the, the Willard eye that I had in a freaking plastic shoebox is not the same. So, yeah. That's God's Willard eye you're looking at. It is. It is. That's an animal that has survived up until that point, and you were able yep. to see it. Yep. Could have been the yeah. last people it ever sees. It could be. It could be the last Who humans knows? it ever sees. You yeah. could have walked away, and you know, fifteen minutes later, a hawk snatches it up. Who You're knows? Right. You're right. Hey, Billy Hunt, what's going on, brother? Um, that's the kind of stuff <laughs> I think about when it comes to that, and like the uh, the Ornatus that that. Doc found in Texas. It's like, had you been 30 seconds behind or ahead of what yeah. you were, you know, you may not have seen that. So it's like just the fact that you, the odds were there that you happened to be at the right place at the right time, you know? It's, yeah. And hey, that, that, is, that, it's pretty mind blowing if you think about it. It is. And that, that honestly is a huge testament to Rob Stone and Dustin Gronk, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, there was countless times where, where, you know, Rob would say, hey, you know, we've got X, Y, and Z mapped out. And he would look at Dustin and say, hey, man, what do you think? And Dustin would be truthful. He'd be like, oh, that's great. Or, you know what, man? I don't know if it's going to be good tomorrow. It's, it's going to be really hot or it's going to be, you know, breezy or whatever the case was. So it was great. It was great to have options 
as well as mm-hmm. someone who legitimately is boots on the ground all the all year round you know so yeah. it was awesome what are the, was, the road cruising laws like in comparison to like herping wise uh as long as it's not protected whatever you want okay yeah, as long as you have a hunting license you're good to go yeah. as long as it's not protected you know and uh <clears throat> i was trying to catch back up we were talking uh oh yeah so the big difference between texas and the sky islands yeah and podfather said dustin crushed it you know he's the new npr intern the field unit so talking about smitty tears that that what was that one we did with the black bear in texas lost mine okay so lost mine so Lost mine, lost mind, real, as I lost call mind. It. Yes, I was, was like, whew. yeah, yeah. Uh, it was steep, man. It was real steep. But the, but in Arizona, it's up, then down, then up, then down, then up, then down, then up, then down, then up, and then go back the way you came. And and the entire time, you're still climbing elevation, even if you're going down, you're yeah. still climbing elevation. Yeah. So. Uh, it was it was super incredible, man. And just like I can't speak highly enough about the ecosystem changes and dude, the Sky Islands, man, it's phenomenal. I, I I get what those Highlands and Islands guys are all obsessed about, you know. <laughs> so yeah, man. I mean, lost mine. That's like I've never at any point felt like I was gonna pass out legitimately, except for that that day, like towards the top. Yeah. Like, I, I it was like I was generally starting to get worried. Like I got close to the top and I was like, I'm I was more scared that I was gonna freaking black out and then fall down the side of the, the friggin' hill. Um but it was tough. But I remember it. And if we went back, I probably wouldn't do it again. But I do want to go back. You're you're muted. I can you hear me okay? Yes. I would do it again and now knowing how to pace myself a little better i think that i could have probably made it to the top and i was just apprehensive but in my opinion i would it would it was more so it was more important for me to be apprehensive and not overexert myself than to try to do something because i thought i might be able to you know what i mean well it really helps if you have no idea what you're getting yourself into but I'd also be much better prepared than I was that that day as well. <laughs> I was like dressed in all black and I had no water with me and everyone else carrying like two gallons with them. I'm like, wait a second. Something's amiss. I actually have a couple uh, short videos I'm going to send to the Facebook, you and I's Facebook so we can post it because I'm on my old crappy laptop in case it rained. Um and uh, just to show like how the trails looked and you know anybody who is not a fan of heights or you know gets weirded out by cliff faces you know this was definitely not the hike for you so just uh, bear with me a moment yeah I just, I didn't like, I, I legitimately had no idea like what the plan was or what was happening. So I was like, 
hanging out and was ready to go walk around because the other walks we had been on or hikes we had been on were relatively flat. So I was like, yeah, it's all good. Not making that mistake again. So if you're herping with Rob Stone, get more information as to where you're going and what the plan is for the day because you end up dying on a mountaintop. And then I fell back as we got to the top, and I was like, yeah, this is cool. I want to go back now. Spent two hours climbing up. Spent like 10 minutes at the top. And then went back down and saw the bears. And... No herps. But there was a lot of people on that 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 spot that day, so I really wouldn't have expected to find much of anything anyways. <laughs> you guys didn't see any pyros, did you? Mike Kosicki asked. No? Yeah, I didn't think so. <laughs> I'm sure Nipper was talking smack the entire time too. Like it, he's been to Israel. He's been to the Philippines. Oh yeah, it was. It was. It, everything was braggadocia. No, it wasn't. No, nowhere near braggadocia. <laughs> it was more like. It was. It was more like. This is so fascinating because. It's not like this here. You know what I mean? What herbs can we find in urban Daytona? Um, I'm sure if you look hard enough, you can find herpes in urban Daytona. Um, Anolis lizards are everywhere. You already know this, Billy. You go to Daytona. There's there's anoles everywhere. Um Homeless people, Billy Hunt, Casey Cannon. Usually, you can see him frolicking the beaches. Frolicking, I love. I've it. I don't think you'd find yellow rats in the like Daytona. No, you'd have NR, to drive in NRBE Daytona area. Yeah. All right, so I just sent those videos. Let me pull them up real quick with the right quickness. You there? Yeah. All right. So let me share this screen. Facebook. All right. There we go. So this is one of the spots we 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 drove up to a certain point and then hiked in X amount. <clears throat> and uh, let me just zoom in a little bit on this. So 8,270 feet. It was and there, and there was lizards running around. So there's definitely snakes. We didn't we didn't see any snakes at that spot, but it was. I was just shocked at you know that the altitude. You know, like you don't. I don't. I never. It never occurred to me. Maybe it's because I live at 28 feet above sea yeah. level. Yeah. You know, it's just crazy altitude. 
So, and uh, here is one of the paths that we walked on, one of the trails. And I mean, obviously, I'm a, I'm a bigger guy, but you probably had about 24 to 30 oh, yeah. inches of space. And that's it. It's a nice it's little, you... little shin buster on the way down there. Oh, yeah. And then, like, if you fall, you're screwed. Yeah, you ain't stopping unless you hit like, something yeah, like a tree stops exactly. you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. If, if a tree stops you, yeah, but you're going to break major bones, if not die, Ooh. you know. Um, and then driving, <laughs> driving up it is steep, but oops, but driving down it is even steeper. And those roads just wind all the way down. Oh, yeah. It's because you're going like, See the winding roads in the, in the background? Yeah. Like, you see how close the truck is to the edge. Mm-hmm. So. It's it's an amazing, amazing place, man. Sky Islands are an amazing place. And it just drops right off. And so when you guys were finding all the, all the rattlers, like, was that earlier in the day later in the day that you guys were actually out walking around and come across them or was there was there um, a plan in terms of the hikes and like there, there was finding there, those things there was um most of it was evening and dusk um we did a lot of morning stuff but it was nowhere near as uh, rewarding as the evening time and it's just because it just it gets so hot so fast yeah that you know yeah and uh, and then I figured I'd show this one because this is the one that everyone wants to see. And that's at 5,560 feet of elevation. Scott said Casey is smashed in the gutter somewhere. And then Bill said, should I be worried that people on the other side of the globe know that Casey can and wants to sand wrestle me? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, poor kid. He's not even here to defend himself. So. It looks pretty sort of wet up there, too. It was. It had just rained. So, yeah, it had just rained. And uh, that was our that was our 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 saving grace for that species, man. Mm -hmm. It was just so hot that, you know, that rain came and bam, they came out. So, again, kudos to Dustin Grodd. And was that a like in terms of the area you were in to find those? Was that sort of the the crazy long hike that that Brent has told us about previously? And um, yes and no. So yes, yes, it could have been a crazy long hike. No, it was not because God blessed us. So, you know, we had hiked that spot two or three times before and come up very empty-handed, and. It, we hiked a lot and it was hot. Um, and then it drizzled, just a drizzle, and stuff comes alive. So, I mean, I believe it, man. You think about just how dry that place is. Like, you've got to take advantage of water anytime it shows up. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I was really, I was really hoping for a Gila, but that's just an excuse to go back. You know, it's just an excuse to go back. So. Speaking of heliderms, I don't know if you heard or not, but Ryan Reed still has I did. <laughs> Ryan Reed's still alive. God bless him. I'm gonna go, we're gonna go visit him here soon. He's uh 
now that I'm off on weekends, we can go up there and, and kick it with them. So good. Awesome. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm excited for you to get them. I really am. I, I called him um, mostly because I'd gotten a, a text from my old roommate, the vet, and there was a red tegu in someone's like workshop here in town. And so I was, you know, he was like, do they call animal control? Do they call DNR? And, you know, Reed works for DNR. So I called Reed. He didn't answer, but he called me back like five minutes later. And I was like, should they call you uh, or DNR? And he's like, yeah, you know, animal control is not going to really do anything about it. What, what was it? It was a red tegu. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. And I told the people like put out a, you know, a, like a, a trap that you use for raccoons and stuff. They ended up letting it go back on the property for whatever reason, I don't, I don't know. But I was like, set out a trap, and I was like, DNR is likely going to do the same thing. Um, and before anyone freaks out, red tegus are not the problem. It's the Argentine black and whites. They are officially, I think, banned in South Carolina now, but reds are not. Um, this one, I, you know what, I didn't realize, and it wasn't until I are asked. They, are they really a problem, though? I think. Are they, are they really? In South Carolina, no. Exactly. I'm just saying, not all species of tegu are banned. So, um, but I was completely unaware that they 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 could drop their tails. For some reason, I thought they couldn't because this one in the picture it it was missing like half of it, and it regrown it. Oh, I believe it. So I I had no idea. I thought they were kind of like monitors where it was like permanently attached to their body unless something bit it off. Um, it didn't look very big in the picture, but the 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 guy that owns that business who had texted my vet buddy, he ended up, I guess vet buddy gave him my number and he called me and he's like, yeah, he's like, you know, it was big enough to where like the guys couldn't get their hand around the neck if they wanted to. But I was like, is it one of those scenarios where it was like a five foot lizard, but it was actually like a two foot lizard. No, it was probably you know, it was a, like, a four foot male with giant jowls. And he doesn't realize that those jowls are squishy and fatty, and that you, you're, the, the neck's only that big, you know. I think Adam, I might. I'm gonna send it to you because in the picture, I was like, that looks like a little guy. I mean, it's not like a fresh little guy or anything like that, but it definitely didn't look like a full grown adult because it still had some of the darker coloring of like a younger one. Yeah, I don't know, but you I told him messenger. I did. And I was like, you know, if you catch it again, let me know. I'll come get it. I don't know what the hell I'd do with it, but at least because I asked, you know, DNR's you know, Reed was like, you know, if we get it, it gets destroyed, which I figured, you know, it's yeah. It oh, that's a, that's a solid three foot lizard. You think so? Yeah, I mean, look at the look at the two by four in the background. Well, that's what I was trying to go by, and I was like, I yeah, it just it's hard to like the yeah the that's perspective a solid, of it is i'd say it's a solid three maybe three and a half foot lizard with the tail but do you think that's a female um it doesn't have the jowls a, it, yeah but it's still small though man i mean oh, they really man. don't get those jowls until they get like another foot i don't know i don't know it's tough to say yeah i mean those things are difficult to to sex when you have it in your hand let alone in a photo you know yeah I I don't know a whole lot about them, but I was like, if I need to come get it, I will. I I kind of prefer not to have to do something with it. Yeah, but, you know. Yeah. Someone lost a pet. So. Yep. Somebody lost a pet. 
That seems like that that that's that group of lizards in particular. It, you really, if you're if you're like enclosure security isn't one hundred and ten percent, they're gonna figure out a way to to. Oh yeah, dig out or bust out or you know. It's, you got to be on. Yeah. That's maybe that's why it's probably best that I don't have one because I have a hard enough time keeping baby Alterna in Iraq, let alone, you know. Yeah, but there's a big difference between a, a three and a half foot lizard and a baby Alterna, you know. I mean, you would so. think so. I don't know. Well, it's not. You didn't make a mistake. You just underestimated. I mean, you underestimated their ability to get out of a drawer. Underestimated. Underestimated. But beaded's baby. Beaded's. I'm still interested in them, but I don't. What do, What do I put them in, Phil? Where do I keep them? Get a black box cage. Where do I put that? In the garage. Where? Like you planned originally, putting it behind your chair right there where you planned originally. Breathing into microphone for ambiance. And I don't know. It's just. I don't know. Look, man, plenty of people keep them in racks to breed them. Just saying. I don't, that just, unless it's like one of the massive like freedom breeder racks though, I feel like it, it, it it's like keeping the Jansen eye in a rack. It's like, that's a species that's meant to roam and have the space and do their thing. You know, that's not a T-Rex doesn't want to be fed. He wants to hunt. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. I get it. And I, I can't speak like that because my one small female Gila is in a 75 gallon enclosure. So. Look at Billy trying to live vicariously through me, too. He's like, do it, do it. Maybe yeah, right? It. Yeah. That's why you can't. So it's awesome to have the opinions of friends, especially in her pediculture, when you're in scenarios like this. But you also have to keep in mind the same people that are telling you to do it or buy something are the same people that don't have to take care of it or find the space. That's true. Or it's true. And look, if you wind up producing baby beaded's, Billy Jenkins, I'll get you the hours. How? He lives <laughs> on the opposite end of the state. Uh, we'll make arrangements. Figure it he's out. Off, he's off weekends. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And Bill's like, I've got one of those big racks. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I'll tell you what, though, man. He's I also think, got uh, that alligator snapper, too, that he keeps... Dropping subtle, subtle, like, hey, yeah, I still got the alligator snappers. Talk to Katie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Catch me that what? red tegu and I'll trade you. That's actually. Oh, no, that's not a, pretty good. I don't have that's anywhere to put good. that rack, but. That's pretty good. I think he meant the snapping turtle. I don't know. I thought he meant the rack. Oh, no, rack's, better than, rack's better than a snapping turtle. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Just oh, go man. find them in the wild. Alligator snappers. I don't know that we actually get alligator snappers here where I'm at. I think you're too far to the coast. Two different sizes of ASTs just waiting for you. Nice. Oh, man. I was having a conversation with Katie that, like, something's. Oh, look. Something. Look. Trade them for the rack. Turtle comes free. Look at nice. that. That's a problem. That's Beated. a problem. Yeah. 
I, I don't know. I'd like to. I, I seriously want to consider probably converting the garage if possible. At least the half of it that isn't podcast stuff. And look, man, no one says you have to have a whole garage as a reptile room, but you know, you do one wall that's garage storage and stuff. You do another wall that's all Herbert of Fauna, and the back wall is your podcast stuff. There you go. You're not putting the car in there anyway, you know. It's become just a catch-all for a lot of crap, is what it is. I get it. I get it. I know what that's like. But she's like, what are we gonna do with all the stuff in the garage? It's like we get a small little like dinker shed to put in the back, and that's where we can store everything, you know? Yeah. That's yeah, a hell of a lot cheaper than a than a out like a shed out back for everything. Like my yeah. stuff, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It does get pretty toasty in here, though, in the in the warmer months, um, because I guess we just don't have winter anymore. Like that, I'm not worried about. But I got to figure that out too. I got to get some sort of a cooler if I want these bimaculata to go. We talked yeah. about that on the on the show last night, um, CCR, and those got to get cold. I think that's the reason I struck out with them is they just did not get anywhere near cold enough, and it's odd considering that Dion's have such a huge range, you would think those would require colder temperatures considering they're like in Siberia and like the South North Korea border uh, all the way across, you know, and then like by Maculata or like in this little section in like the middle of China. Yeah, but that's not to say that yours are Siberian. You know what I mean? One of them is. Yeah, but... I'm just saying, like, given that yeah. those are more northern, my two Dion's, adult Dion's, are more northern than the Bimaculata, you would think okay. that it would be the opposite. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, who, who knows? But yeah, I think you expanding the garage a little bit and doing your, you know, maintenance shed would probably do the family pretty good. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Billy Jenkins is like, I'd sell you a he's a, he's a the shed salesman. I'll be right back. All right. I think with the Dion's though, I am going to try and sort of bring those back to US herpeticulture in a sense. I'm gonna pursue those a little bit more. And the bimaculata too. Even though I don't, I don't know how how much of that I can do with a single pair, but at least they'll they'll get out there some and get them in the right hands of people that are going to do more with them and watch them take off, just like the Bairds. Get me a twelve by thirty shed, Billy Jenkins. fully insulated with electricity and I'll give you my address and when Christmas time comes around you can just drop it off and I'll think that Santa left it for me you could say happy birthday slash Merry Christmas from Santa Jenkins Yeah, and when I say dinker shed, I just mean like one of those smaller sheds that isn't anything fancy. That's like literally just storage stuff. You know, our mower, and for some reason we have like four bikes and they never get used. Um, we've got some racks here that could probably get stored away pretty easily. There's all kinds of just stuff. That's the problem. 
like we clean out this garage periodically and uh like deep clean it get rid of a bunch of stuff throw away a bunch of stuff and then within like a month it's right back to how it was before it's just it's it's really frustrating but yeah i mean we don't put cars in here or anything like that so it's like what are we what are we doing Help, Phil. What I break? Solve my problems for me. Sure, just uh, send those beaded's down to me, and we'll call it a day. I'll trade you a pair of beaded lizards for a pair of squams. (laughs) You're like, wait a second, pair of squams. I was gonna say, uh, if only. Uh, a, I was gonna say an eight-month-old uh, anery uh, subak, but <laughs> I'll pay shipping both ways. <laughs> but no, you want a pair of squams? I'll trade you a pair of squams. Uh, I'll trade. I, you, I'll trade I, you four squams for two beaded lizards. I would love. First of all, I got We got to talk about the new venomous exchange show because I finished listening to that this morning and it was fun. Oh, excellent. Thank you very much. Thank you and very much. I forgot to promote that this evening. All the talk <laughs> of to say I I know, I like, know. There's got to be an, an Atheris episode specifically. Nothing but and it has to be 3 hours long. Okay. Okay. Got it. Got to. It's got to happen. I'll find the I, best Atheris guys. I can't get enough. Of the bush vipers. I thought you'd like it when I sent that to say I picture this morning. Yeah, like, damn it. That was from 2009. That picture. Uh, yeah, didn't you? Didn't that come in with some other stuff? Like no, yeah. Something else? Well, no, we we just no, we we had a, a legitimate Kenya shipment that came in. And oh, we okay. got um, oh man, we got like 20 Ceratophora, like 20 Desei, like 10 Hispida, um. Uh, like 30 parviocula that were definitely smuggled (laughs) you know but yeah ethiopia is kind of a long way from kenya isn't it no i mean they're they're neighboring borders but where the parviocula are they 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 really don't breach into kenya so our the guy that we got them from it was all legitimate it all had legitimate paperwork and everything from kenya um they said that it was a part of the mountain range that stretches into kenya and then they got them so that was many, many moons ago. I mean, it was a bummer to hear that that Desai are kind of disappearing because yeah. of you know, quote unquote, pet trade. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Alex England, you know, obviously he's a prime candidate for that stuff. We've had him on THP. Sure. Uh, Derek Morgan, I actually talked about at one point about doing a, an Atheris episode, and it just it because of my lack of follow-up it just hadn't happened so right, right. definitely want that to happen uh because i can't yeah. get enough of that freaking genus man that's yeah man i'll tell you what though i'm falling in love with telescopus i really am and uh yeah, how are those how are those doing they're great man i mean i leave them alone you know they're they're super they don't want to be messed with they just want to be left alone in their little rock crevices or as in actuality toilet paper rolls and um dude they just grow so slow Ugh, I'm feeding them these big meals. Well, is, big, big that's meals. Very surprising to me, considering yeah. how how they're they're sort of a, a 
not necessarily a sister taxa to Boyga, but they're in that same sort of realm. And considering how quick Boyga grow, yeah, yeah, you would think. And that's also a species that I'd imagine, if they're anything like Boyga, you know, they're eating smaller but more frequently, and and right, you know, they think that they, especially given the environment they live in, like getting size on you is probably something that needs to happen pretty quick before you become food for something else. And see, and that's something I thought of too, is I wonder if that's not the case with most of them because they're living in rock crevices and fissures in the earth. And I'm wondering if, you know, when you have size, you can't always fit in those nooks and crannies. Yeah. You know what I mean? <clears throat> so, I mean, I haven't handled a lot of adult telescopists because almost if, you know, I'll flat out say it, I think all the ones I've ever worked with were imports and most oh, yeah. of them were Definitely. smaller than, yeah. And I think that's going to be the next goal is once Marcus and I kind of figure out the Serastes situation, how we're going to, you know, what, what we're going to do in terms of what we're going to hold back, what we're going to breed, what we're going to sell, all that stuff. Um, I really want to focus on telescopists. I really do. And if that means I got to bring some in from Europe that are captive, then okay, cool. Uh, rock and roll. We'll figure it out. But that, I think that's going to be the next, uh, the next venture, you know, and, uh, just doing my homework, man. Learn as much as I can. And it just sucks because the ones I really want are the most expensive ones. Yeah, of course. So, yep. You know, and then of course it doesn't help when, you know, nippers whispering your ear. He's like, I can get you, you know, uh, 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 you know, oh, oh, you want a uh, uh, hug strolly? We can get you a hug strolly. They're, they're, you know, 600 quid. And I'm like, fuck. Uh. So. <sighs> he's a horrible influence in every way. He is. He is. But he's a wonderful, wonderful human being. Uh, but yeah, man, those babies are fun. I uh, I, I want to get some African stuff, man. Some su some southern stuff. I want to get some some semi-annulatus. I really do. And uh, I definitely want to get there's a a, a uh, Tripoli that comes out of Morocco that's black-headed with fading saddles. Mm -hmm. I've been looking at them too, but it's just tough man it's just yeah. tough so yeah we we talked a little bit about matt's um those bothothalmus yeah um and i would you know I, I wish we had talked about it more but matt is another one that i i feel like we could do like 20 episodes with him and we still wouldn't cover everything we wanted to cover like sure so much cool stuff Oh yeah, that's all worthy of like an entire episode alone. Of so, course, of course. Um, I want to talk to him about coming back on either this or THP or something. I don't think Jake was around when we had him on initially. I think it was just you and I. Yeah, yeah. So I think that would be cool. Um, let Jake get some culture and get away from Nerodia for a little bit. You know. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get it. Introduce him to some some real colubrids <laughs> that don't smell like feet. Right. And then we have that little group chat with Matt. And then uh, he sends that one picture of that baby Rotomelis. Yeah, I don't know what those were, man. I was like, dude, that's the dream killback, man. That's that's the dream killback. You don't even want to know. Dude, those are like those are like a lot of money for a dying import. Like those are super scarce. So whoever took that photo, like I don't even know how they got that photo. <clears throat> Excuse me. I just thought it was funny because you sent those pictures and you were like, oh my God. And I'm like, what? It's a. Nah, dude. It's like a sand boa stiletto 
integrate. No, it's not. No, dude. Come on, man. Come on, man. Ramphiophis. It's like the guys that get excited about like pipe snakes. It's like, really? Dude, hardly. Hardly, man. (laughs) A neon orange snake with a perfect vertebral stripe that not only isn't a pistoglyph, but has nuctal glands that it can spray out of its shoulder and squirt you in the eye with it from a turquoise neon blue nape. That's fucking cool. Or you could get an Aurora house snake and just call it a day. Yeah, I guess you can kind of play with the Aurora house snake. (laughs) Touche, sir. Touche, Smitty. Touche. Did you guys ever get a lot of, like, historically when you, back in your your earlier working days with importers and stuff, were Dion's something that you saw fairly regularly at one point? Uh, no, and I can say that any of those uh, colder mountain Asian species, they were always captive bred stuff. Like, I can't remember ever seeing, like, an adult Dion's like scarred up from battle. Like that just wasn't a thing. It was always small captive bred stuff, whether it was farmed or captive bred in shops over there. I don't know, but yeah, very, very rarely. Hmm. The only time that we ever got unique colubrids that were, um, unique colubrids that were field collected, like totally field collected was majority Southeast Asia and Africa. Yeah. I don't like in talking to Matt yesterday, it sounds like the initial sort of import and it didn't sound like there was many that followed for Dion's. They came from Bushmaster. Like Cameron was the one who who brought them in initially from China. Yeah, I believe it. I believe it. It just I I don't know, man. Like it's something I can't really wrap my head around. Like the whole process of of keeping them and breeding them has been really, really, really straightforward. And it's like they how they haven't just blown up when we have when they fit the bill just like corn snakes do in terms of like just colors and patterns and size and yeah but it's like it's a it's a species that's extremely niche and nobody knows about them then i think that's just it you know nobody knows about them you know and i feel like it's it's kind of like it's kind of like fox snakes like dude Nobody knows what a fox snake is, and then they see one, they're like, dude, that's awesome. How do I get them? And it's like, well, only a handful of people actually breed them, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just odd because Dion's and Bimaculata are so much more popular in Europe. Like, they're they're kept by a ton of people over there, but, yeah, you know, I mean, they are also native, but still, it's a similar scenario to, like, how we have corns here. Like, we have plenty of people that live in the natural range of corns but they focus on the on the morphs and stuff i don't i true. don't know true don't know. yeah who knows coros <laughs> rats. yeah bill says coros rats man that's it and dude like any dude, most of the north asian rats like you know billy's had some awesome ones dude like they're not my cup of tea but incredible species mm-hmm. especially the japanese stuff man dude yeah Billy Hunt shows me the craziest photos of, ja- of uh, uh, Japanese mountain rats. Dude, awesome shit. Awesome. Yeah, and, and that just that just goes back to Matt's stuff, man. Like, Matt has so many cool species that, that yeah. no one is doing anything with on any scale. Yeah. You know, just... oh, he, sent, he sent us that photo of the false stilettos. When? 
uh, I must last, last week in the group. I don't know. Yeah, he sent an albino and a, and a black one. That's is a species. That... That's a species that you never ever see. And most maybe people... that's the ones I was thinking of because I was like when I was talking about the sand boa stiletto integrate. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that I was yeah, like, that, yeah, why, I can see that. Why is Phil getting excited about? Oh those? yeah, dude, I mean those, they're cool, but I was like, those false stilettos and like so many people hack them up in the wild because they think they're I bet. stiletto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was talking about the the. the yeah, I remember which back. one you're talking yeah. about now. Yeah, the one that looks like a like a like a cock's eye. Yes, yes, yeah. very cock's eye with the blue on the nape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I definitely, uh, I want to do, um, uh, I just said the scientific name a minute ago. And I can't Robbins. remember. No, no, no. The, the killbacks, uh, um, Rabdophis, excuse me. Yeah. But I'm afraid, man, cause just me and tropical just doesn't mix. I really am. And I'm just, I'm, I'm finally like it, like 2021 was the, was the, the, the punch to the jaw of, Phil, you do pretty well with arid stuff. Stop, you know, fucking around with stop stuff trying that to needs force water. Yeah. yeah, stop trying to be tropical. That's it. So, which uh, is strange because you would think that it would be the opposite, considering where you live. I, I I think it's my husbandry tactics. I think I'm 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 not as attentive to the humidity and the tropical nature as I should be, and because I have all the arid stuff. And I keep the air constantly flowing in there, you know, for whether it be for cross breeze or to drop temperature or whatever. I think it just sucks out the humid. I mean, it's probably it's probably only like 25 percent humidity in there right now. And I mean, yeah. it's like 100 outside. So that's just interesting because you're in South Florida where humidity shouldn't even be a thought. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. But you also got to think, dude, my air conditioner runs 24 seven just pumping. So, and like I temp gun the vent and like, let's say I set the air conditioner to 71, right? Room temp. When I shoot the temp gun at the air vent, it's coming out like 52 because it's just pumping cold air. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, we did have the a nice discussion with the one-on-one episode of THP on Thursday about ambient versus, you know, supplemental heat. and Yeah, yeah. I caught some of that. How, how sort of my my outlook on that is has changed dramatically because I used to think ambient heat was the devil. And now I'm like, this is actually kind of nice to just not have everything plugged in. You lose sort of the fire hazard aspect of things. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm an ambient guy with select cage development. So like the room is 80 but inside each of the Cerastes enclosures is like 96, the yeah. entire, the entire enclosure, you know? So, well, maybe not the entire enclosure towards the front of it, toward, away from the heat tape. It's probably, mm-hmm. probably 85, maybe. I mean that, that 80, 82 areas typically, even when I had supplemental heat on stuff is typically where I like to keep things anyways, because when yeah. you have a smaller room like I do and you have everything running, you're gonna hover around that, that anyways and be maybe even be a little warmer and it, i think it's a sweet spot with stuff like the rhinos and the deons and bimaculata that don't really need heat like you want to keep them yeah. on the cooler side it's a nice happy medium where like it's not too warm for them but it's not so cold that everything else seems to struggle even though in my experience like i talked about on that episode you know that's chondros i don't really worry about it getting too cold even in the winter like 
they do fine in the you know lower 70s for yeah. overnight or whatever at night it, they're they're fine um same with all the rat snakes and stuff and boiga you know it's just yeah but it's nice it, you do run the risk of having an issue like i did with the pyramilana and i have to put them in a different room because you know even though they were in my bedroom in a rack it was too i couldn't get it cool enough mm -hmm. for them to be happy so yeah. they got moved you know yeah. the biggest so. the biggest issue that i i think is is my sort of main headache is just the the brumation thing you know and, yeah. and not being yeah. able to get things cool enough and i'm going to start scanning craigslist for a you know a, a cooler of with decent size like i'm i'm really kicking myself or not not taking the one my dad had to cool his alterna because it was perfect it was it was tall but you could set it to like 55 no problem and with the bimaculata they need to get colder than that so i don't yeah at that well, point i might as well be putting them in the freaking fridge how like was i say how big how big is the in, uh, container you're putting them in to cool them uh when i cooled them down over the winter i think i had both of them in like a 15 quart each okay see that might be that might be too big because I have the wine cooler that I bought for the beaded or for the Gila's, excuse me, mm -hmm. and it was way too small. I went up not using it, um, and now it just sits there. It was a hundred bucks on Amazon, and I could probably fit like three or four twelve quarts in there, mm -hmm. and that thing it it will not go above fifty four degrees. It's like forty seven, forty eight degrees. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that's too cold, but I don't think so. Cause I, I mean like the rhinos, whenever it comes time to breed those, like those need a pretty serious dip. Um, the, you know, I was really concerned with the Dion's that they didn't get cold enough to go, but that obviously proved to not be the case. Um, right. Right. So it's mostly the Bimax that I'm, I'm concerned about the most, like everything else I've already, I already know that if I, I cool them down and cut food and, and, cut light cycles and stuff for an extended period of time and then they get some bit of a dip they do fine with that like that's more than enough they you know it's okay um it's just those bimaculata like i really do want to get those figured out and that was the one species in particular with this season that i was really excited and hopeful that i'd get something from um, yeah so when you live in kind of going back to the drawing board i guess with this this upcoming winter and and seeing what what needs to happen but yeah yeah, it's a that's new a, season, man. A cool little species, man. I'm I'm really bummed that the ones that I had gotten, you know, last year didn't didn't do well, and be on the lookout for some other ones. There were some at Daytona last year, but they wanted like 250 bucks a piece for them, I think, or something like that. And and, and dude, like that's that. funny is I was just talking to Henry about this last night. Is that I feel like, especially with colubrids and some of the more niche stuff, 200 is 200 US dollars is the new norm. Yeah. If a if a colubrid was a fifty dollar snake or a sixty dollar snake back in the day as a baby, Dude, Montrose said he used to get deals for thirty five dollars. Dude, we used to get. I don't even want to tell you. I don't even want to tell you. Dude. If you if you paid more than seventy five dollars for a neonate colubrid of any kind, morph, locality, whatever it was, you were out of your mind. Mm -hmm. That's just how it was. Yeah. You know? I mean, there's there's three deals on morph market right now that have been there for couple months and they're 250 bucks a pop yeah yeah i mean it might there's my, a striped one that i really want but it's you know yeah. if it's still there in a couple months maybe you know who knows yeah. but my my all-time favorite was we the importer would buy 
captive bred baby West African Gaboon Vipers for $25, we would sell them for 50 wholesale and then retail was 75. And that's just, that was it. And like guys were like, oh, it's venomous. It's not that expensive. Just make a quick 25 bucks, you know, whatever. Or maybe, maybe it was a hundred if you, if you had some shipping costs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Now, wholesale, 250, 300 a baby. Really? Yeah. Find them. Wow. Nobody's got them because nobody's importing them. Oh, that's true. You know, and we talk about this all the time of how it's not the exporters from the host country that are raising the price. It's the breeders or the field collectors that are because the dude who's sitting in the business office doing the actual export, he or she is not necessarily the person in the bush catching the animals or breeding the animals. Those people, they now have the Internet. They now have the guy checking the inventory list, making sure he's there. Right. Exactly. And, And now the person who's doing the field collecting or the breeding at the farm, they have smartphones now. They have the Internet. They have the Wi-Fi, the Wi-Fi. And they're seeing that we're selling it for 200. So they want to sell it for 200, which I I can't blame them. But it's also difficult to explain the concept of everyone making a slice, you know? Mm -hmm. So, well, that's, I mean, that's just how everything works now. It's like prices go up. Guess what? The only person who's, who's having to foot that bill is the the buyer, the end buyer. Yeah. Yeah. It all just gets passed on to the next guy until it reaches the, the end of the, that cycle. Right. Right. And then, you know, back in the day, it was very easy to have a two to 400% markup on an animal because there was no way to compare it or comp it or whatever. So, you know, there were some pet shops that were not the best pet shops, but there were some pet shops that would buy an animal from wholesale 50 bucks and they would sell it for $500. Yeah. And that's just what it was, you know, and obviously that's not the case now, but you know, if everyone focused on a, a margin of, say, 20 or 30 percent, everyone would be happy, including the end user. Yep. And then the bubble pops, as Billy Jenkins says. Yep. 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 But going back to the exchange radio episode, I did find it interesting when he talked about, <laughs> you know, snake bites and, and their area and how how mambas were actually on the the lower end of of typical cases seen. Yeah. Yeah. Not that yeah. I expected them to be really high, but just being, you know, mambas being mambas. And it yeah, made I, more I, sense I, when he explained that it's like because they're the first to sort of turn and run rather yeah. than sit and wait and expect and, you not to continue to see them like like you get with puffs and stuff. I would also like to see the number of the number of mamba bites in relation to populace between, say, Kenya and Southern Africa. Yeah, because I feel like the number of snakes is probably the same, but the number of humans is probably infinitely greater in Southern Africa than it is in East Africa in terms of interacting. You know what I mean? How many mambas are in houses in Johannesburg? You know what I mean? Well, I think it would also depend, too, because if you're talking about like rubber tree plantations and things like that, where people are actually like in these trees doing things and then mambas are also in these trees doing things that mambas do like then you get probably a, a more skewed ratio of, of bites yeah. from mamba's other stuff. But um, Perhaps, perhaps. Yeah. I don't want to give it away, but it was definitely a shame what happened to that girl under the tree. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll let people listen to that one. So that's just, I don't know what that whole thing is just, it's so fascinating, man. Just the whole, 
like is it just considering how different that whole scenario is here compared to other parts of the world where they don't have the things that yeah like modern medicine and and regular transportation and stuff like that i mean it's it's stone age type stuff man it is it's very i don't want to say i don't want to be insulting and say archaic but it is and that's a great segue to talk about our recent donation to the Escapula Snake Bite Foundation. Yes. Yeah. What was the final total on that on that raffle? Seven fifty. Wow, that's awesome. So, that's awesome. We got a. Uh, I sent it in the the Snakes and Stogies Facebook Messenger group. Um, we got a little a little like postcard from from them saying thank you, and uh, there's a handful of guys going out to Guinea. To, to do some work. Um, Dr. Bush, I think, was one of them. Nice. He definitely was one of them because I saw pictures of, of him on Facebook on his way there. Um, so that was cool. I, I I wonder if we can raise enough money at some point to where we can get like a Snakes and Stogies bench, like a little plaque on a bench. Sure. Somewhere in Well, I'm, I'm sure we, we could. <laughs> I'm, sh- I'm sure if we just, we give him a donation and we provide the plaque, I'm sure that, <laughs> I'm sure we could get it out that way. So, and just for people who are curious, um, the ASF just posted a, a, a little, awesome, yeah, awesome a little graphic. advert um, a little graphic. Info, info yeah. Graphic. So I'll just give you a quick read. Uh, we all, all of us in the, the THN reposted it, but I'll just give a quick little thing. So it says 600,000 people are harmed by snake bite every year. That we're aware of. That we're aware of, right. Less than 5% of all victims will receive efficient antivenin treatment. Now, why is that? It's because snake bites are a complex public health crisis. And it basically shows a, a little diagram. It says, you know, snake bite, limited access to transportation, poorly equipped medical clinics, delay to antivenin, and ba- bad outcomes, you know, in terms of loss of limb, loss of life. Um, and it says every hour between bite and the antivenin treatment increases the chance of death. So it gives a little, a little, graph page here it says that you know your donation can it says ten dollars covers transportation to the clinic for a snake bite victim you think about ten dollars to transport a victim to a to a medical clinic if that was an cigarettes phil exactly if that was an ambulance ride in the united states it would be hundreds if not thousands of dollars it's a cigar for for us yeah right uh 25 dollars covers iv supplies plus one uh, one liquid vial of IV fluids to administer the intra- intravenous antivenin. $50 covers printed training materials for local healthcare workers. So 50 bucks allows the ASF to produce paper printed instructions and care guides to help train and educate medical staff in the field. $100, if you donate $100, it covers antivenin for one patient with a viper envenomation. So $100 covers viper envenomation. If that was a rattlesnake in the United States, Five it would grand. Be, I would say, th- yeah, thousands and thousands of dollars. Easy. That's but what wait, I mean. That's what Crofab yeah, is at right now is five grand a vial, isn't it? Uh, no, I think it's less. I think it's like 25 or 2600 25? a vial. Mm-hmm. But you still, for like a Western Dimeback, you start you're with 16 vials. One. Yeah, you're getting you, more. Than you, more than you start with 15, 16 vials. Easy. And then if you really want to be super generous, a $1,000 donation will uh, stock pediatric and critical care treatment rooms at their new facility in, in Guinea. So $1,000 can stock the entire clinic. So just a heads up, if people want to donate, 
you know, this is not a, a business. This is not some, you know, local farm or local, you know, reptile breeder who's trying to make a buck. This is a legitimate uh, organization helping people and helping the snakes and helping people and snakes live together. So that's that, why I mean, that's we support why it. Yeah, because it's especially after a conversation with Brent, you know, and realizing just how far the American dollar goes. With yeah. that, you know, it's yeah. nice knowing that I don't not to speak ill of of other you know organizations and stuff like that but you know sometimes you make donations and and things are in such a hole that it's like no matter how much you donated it seems like it just it just gets absorbed you know? right and you know this is it's it not makes a very little of, impact right exactly and it's not the same as say we donate to an organization in the united states that does x y and z well now you're paying for let's say you give a hundred dollars in the end almost 60 70 dollars of that hundred is going to pay for the staff and the people and the equipment all that and at the end of the day only 20 or 30 bucks really goes into it you know and i'm speaking in generalities here i don't yeah, i don't want to yeah, speak in yeah. definitives you know well it's something like this that one dollar that one us dollar goes a really long way and i also i don't want to sound preachy i don't want to sound like we're begging for money we're not if you want to donate great if you don't no big deal i understand gas is like 20 dollars a gallon now i totally grasp that um we're all hurting in one way or another but when we do these raffles for animals or cups or apparel or what have you that's that's the way that you can really help yeah, yeah. you know because not only are you getting something fun out of it but regardless if you win or lose it's not that much money and you're still making a major contribution to to people and snakes yeah and then you know like i know there's there's someone somewhere i'm sure is saying something about well you know we have enough problems here and it's like but we have modern medicine here we have things where if yeah. you do get bit you you you're gonna survive you know almost 100 percent of the time and then it's like right over there that's not the case you know they talk he kyle talked about it in that episode that you guys just released he's like sometimes people get bit and they kind of just wait it out until yeah. they get to the point of no return. And then it's like they go to the hospital, but the damage is already done or they go to, yeah. you know, a, a shaman or a witch doctor, whatever you want to call them. And that only makes things worse. Like even the, the transportation there is so uh, inconsistent that just, it, that's the reason we like ASF so much and like supporting them so much is because like I said, we know that, that we can do as much with what we give them and, and like right. that it's getting, you know, it's getting, it's getting right. Yeah. The most use for, for the most bang for your buck in a sense, you know, I hate and, to put it in terms like that, but that is, that is what we're talking about here. That is what we're talking about. And not to sound cold or morbid, but let's say you don't want to donate cause you, you kind of don't care about the people. Remember you're helping the snakes too. Because mm -hmm. every single time that they hand out one of those medical pamphlets or they do an educational seminar for school kids or they do, you know, a, a youth group educational lecture on, on a Sunday morning where they're bringing snakes to the to the people in the towns and showing them which are good snakes to have on the farm because they're eating the rodents and which are, you know, snakes to be weary of or snakes to watch out for or how to move a snake. Yeah. without hurting themselves or the animal like that's great that's what it's all about is people and snakes living in harmony together that's what we're all about man and i, I mean i love the raffles because like i've said in the past you know for, at least for for myself and and the people that donate you know they're they're pretty non-invasive 
yeah it's, it's one of those things where it's like people are willing to donate it's not a high cost on anybody's part um you know shipping is covered by reptiles express so shout out to to mike and mike arnold um yeah. you know it's just it's such an it's it's an easy way to to really do the most good for for asf and that kind of stuff so yeah absolutely and we and need to, uh, I need to set up the the next raffle. Actually, I know I keep talking about doing it, but I'm gonna yeah. We'll we'll, we'll get it for ready for July. Yeah. Uh, Harry says something funny. He says he didn't get his red coastal, but maybe somebody kept their foot. Cheers to that. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's the truth of it, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's good stuff, man. It is good. I. uh I don't know. I I really would like to get one of those guys on here at some point i know they're that's probably a pretty tough thing to pencil in for them just given the yeah you know time we'll make, zone we'll make it work what's happening but definitely that's on the radar to to make that happen because i'd love to have a an episode where we talk to them about sure. the whole you know the whole the whole organization and and sort of what they've got cooking up over there and all that yeah. good stuff yeah absolutely absolutely that'd be great but if you have not listened to that episode of Venom Exchange Radio, what are you doing? Yeah, check it out. Venom Exchange Radio, episode six, with Kyle Ray from East African Venom Supply, also known as BioCan Africa, for all you old fogies like myself. And it was a good episode, man. It was it was a very difficult episode. I had to do a lot of editing on that episode because of his internet connection and being the time change and everything. It was very mm-hmm. late at night for him. And dude, the, the signal kept cutting out on his end. So I had to constantly snip it up and cut it up, but I think it sounds pretty, I all mean, right. I, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't even notice, honestly, perfect. Like, I couldn't even yeah. tell. Yeah. So yeah, I want more. When's the next one more, uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully sometime in July, I'll get the next one out. So we, we have some recordings that we got to do with some people that are international and you know how hard that is. So when are you doing one with Scott? Uh, <laughs> Scott will be soon enough. Um, we actually got Ty first, so nice ladies, ladies first. Yeah. So Ty, uh, Ty will most likely uh, be the next episode. So that'll be that'll be a lot of fun. She's awesome. They so, both are. They both are. She's a little more awesome than him. <laughs> Because she's she's not Australian, she's English. <laughs> oh, she's at this point, man, she's Australian. <laughs> yeah, she's like I'm a. She we were talking one day because she did an article, uh, I think the Inland Taipan article for the magazine. Yeah, and I had I don't know what how the conversation had, had turned to where it did, but she she's you know I said something about you you know you Aussies are you know a bunch of nut jobs and she's like i'm not an aussie i'm a palm i'm like what the hell's a palm <laughs> yeah and then she told me it's like oh okay that makes sense it's just right up there with the you know like the whole chocolate bear thing it's like one of those weird nicknames that <laughs> did he explain that at all to you when you i don't he doesn't that? have to i just know i don't you're his little chocolate bear i think i finally wormed the answer out of him as far as what that was and it was disturbing that's the best part. Yeah, there was definitely a on this last trip between uh, <laughs> between myself and and Nipper. There was definitely some uh, uh, 
euphemisms that were exchanged that were unknown to the other party. So it was, it was definitely a learning experience. Yeah. He probably wasn't following along with all the uh, Simpsons references though, between Julander and stone. Yeah. There, there was, there was a lot of Simpsons references. He, he did not get, <laughs> they went right over his head. Yeah. And that, and that's something that he, he always brings this up is that Americans when referencing something, it's always pop culture or movies, it's typically movies, you yeah. know, one lot, yeah. one liners. While as in Europe and specifically the UK, it's a reference to history. What a bunch of nerds. And it's like, yeah, it's it, movies are Americana. You know what I mean? That's what we do. We do Encino movies. Man. Yeah. Exactly. Biodome. Biodome. Son in law. Free Mahi Mahi. Free Mahi Mahi. <laughs> Middle America. Ripping, ripping the, the fields. fields. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> Yo. I'm, I'm yelling God Pauly bless Shore. Pauly Shore. I'm, I'm yelling Polly short quotes on my tennis courts and uh, it's 1048 at night. I'm sure my neighbors are hating me right now. <laughs> now they're going to go watch that movie. They're like, now I got to go. Yeah, watch dude, it. I'm going to go watch the movie. It's on YouTube movies and, and TV for free right now. Perfect. Perfect. And Mike Kosicki says, well, they do have thousands they, of years of it. So they do. <laughs> they do. I just yeah. like to give Nipper shit for for us sinking their T ships, their T boats. Oh, he he's still he's still upset about it. Well, what's funny is we were doing this one hike in uh, uh, Saguaro National, and uh, a little just a little mini night hike, nothing crazy. I mean, shit. For all I know, it was probably a hundred yards. It was so dark. Um, and we're hiking <laughs> like when we were in Big Bend in the middle of the day, and we walked like fifty to hundred yards. And we're like, yeah, fuck this, and turn yeah, around. And went it, back it, it, exactly, <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, we, we just enough time to take that one group photo. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. So uh, we're walking, and there's like the foundation of this like bombed out brick building, and there's a plaque there from you know National Park Service, or whatever. It says, "Here lies such and such house, you know, burned down in such and such a date." Blah 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 blah. And then and Nipper just starts like cussing insatiably, <laughs> and was like, "What's the matter?" He's like. You Americans think you're so old. This house is from 1961. <laughs> it was like historical such and such house. Founded. Ancient 1961. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't so. know. We have so we have like old tabby structures from like the 1800s here. And yeah. A lot of like old churches and stuff that were made of tabby, which is like this concrete oyster shell mixture that's that was very popular when settlers and colonialism was was around here. Yeah, and like you go and look at these little plaques, and like almost all of them burned down in a fire. And I'm like, how did they burn down in a fire? They're literally all concrete. I don't get. It. I, I don't know. I don't know. And they're like, yeah, there was a fire here, and it's like a brick church. It's like what? It doesn't make sense. Well, what's funny is when I grew up, and they're all haunted. Oh, of course, of course, they're all haunted. That's well, why I don't fuck around with them. That's why I don't go to them, dude. Well, when I grew up, for those of you who don't know, I grew up on a horse farm in the middle of nowhere in New Jersey. And uh, Joy, yes, yes, I know New Jersey it used to be the Garden State. So, um, and mm -hmm. the the road that my farm was on was called Old York Road. And I mean, I was a kid; I didn't pay any mind to it, but. There was this one old farmhouse on the end of the property that had a stone wall that went all the way around it. 
And over the years, it kind of got sunken down and grass grew out of it and people neglected it, whatever. And uh, when my family went up selling the farm, my dad told me, he says, uh, he's like, man, I'm going to, I'm going to miss this wall. And I was like, the wall, it's like a stone wall. It's just slapped together. Like, so it's like a six-year-old slapped it together. Yeah. But he, Nipper's great, great, great grandfather was, was trying to get him some Yankees over that wall. Once well, upon a you, time. you're you're marginally correct. So that wall, he told me, was built by George Washington's battalion or whatever in the, the whatever which I can't remember the year the year that he crossed the Delaware. It was snowed in, right? Mm-hmm. And they built that stone wall on the fly to help fortify their horses from the wind. Hmm. And that road, Old York Road, was the road that Washington used to take his troops south to cross the Delaware River. And I, I was like, how come you didn't tell me that when I was a kid? He's like, I don't know. It just never came up. I would have thought it was much cooler. If you, yeah, if exactly. It was just a exactly. random wall. So, so I yes, declared, Nipper, we have some old stuff. Yeah. And, you know, he talks all that smack, but I think he's just mad because they don't have a 4th of July, which I've also dubbed National Metallica Day. Oh, nice. Because nice. that's like 4th of July. I don't know what it is, man. You got to throw on some Metallica all day long. Like, there's all nothing more America, like, fuck you, freedom, than Metallica. Yep. Yep. So it's like fireworks, Metallica. Anything before the Black Energy. Album. Don't Anything tread on me. before the Black Album. Juggling cane breaks. I'm okay with anything at black album and prior yeah that's what i'm saying and it excuse me black album and prior yeah but if i hear if i hear interesting one more time i may wash my mouth out with a revolver why i'm just sick of that song man what sick of that song that album is such a great album it's the only song they play off of it yeah yeah i don't know Can't get help, but but can't help but get a little a little pumped when you hear that that intro riff, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, I give you, I give you that. So Fourth of July is fucking freezing. Scott said, <laughs> <laughs> "That's funny." Oh, Southern Hemisphere. Put on some Metallica, and all of a sudden your blood runs red, white, and blue. Doctor said, "I got some sort of testicular cancer." I told him to shut his commie mouth. <laughs> Uh, on that note is there anything else you want to cover tonight (laughs) i don't think so i think it's a pretty good spot to end it on there i think it's a pretty damn good spot to end it on so this episode was brought to you by puget sound pythons check them out master puppets is their best album yes i would agree master puppets is no man i do like some some and justice though dude and justice is great but it's a actually album master Ride the Lightning is probably my favorite out of all of them. Again, Ride the Lightning is great. I feel like Ride the Lightning never got its got its real due. Dude, battery f- bleeding into Master Puppets, you know? Dude, ending with Orion. Like, dude, yeah. a well, well-rounded album. Uh, 
They yeah. say the wooden parts of the houses were all made out of old growth hard pine, which was super termite proof, but otherwise lighter or not. The tabby was just the thing that survived the fires. Yeah, it's probably, but it's just, I find it funny that like 90% of it is tabby and they're like, yeah, it burned down in the fire. It's like, so the roof, the roof burned the roof. That was it. Yeah. The, roof. <laughs> the roof caught on fire. Everything else is fine. <laughs> the people inside when it happened. Oof. So. Puget Sound Pythons, check them out. Facebook, Puget Instagram, Pythons, YouTube, and then blackboxcages.com. Please check them out as well. Um, awesome folks, awesome products, cages, racks. You got a certain size you need. There's a very good chance they have something that will work and yeah. do the job flawlessly. Plenty of add-on options, LEDs, UVs, heat panels, uh, heat bulbs, bulb cages, all kinds of stuff pretty much your one-stop shop for anything you could possibly need with a new PVC enclosure or rack. All the fixings. All the stops. They pulled them out. Yep. Fuel is a favorite. Get out of here, Billy Jenkins. How did I know you would pipe yeah, up? Dude, Billy Jenkins is like a that. fuel fan. <laughs> the Fuel the band, awesome. Fuel the song. Ah. And yes, uh, Scott, one is fantastic and so is Welcome Home. And I will forever call it Welcome Home because that's his true fucking name. There we go. Trapped under ice. <clears throat> uh, well, definitely everyone, if you have a minute in your busy pods, podcasting schedule to check out the Venom Exchange Radio Episode 6 with myself and the great Nipper Reed with our guest Kyle Ray of EAVS in Kenya. Uh, I also took the some promo clips from our Arizona trip. And I made a little mini video. It's on the venomous etiquette videos, YouTube page. So if you want to check that out, feel free, give it a click, give it a like, give it a watch, enjoy it. And uh, I mean, that's all I got, man. Yeah, this is a great episode. Check it out. Uh, we are going to be back for THP on Thursday. Derek Roddy is our guest this round. Ooh, nice, nice. Kind of, that's. Are you warming up your chops? You warming them up? Uh, Get those. Look at that chop right there. Look at that. Get the chop. I couldn't possibly keep up with that man. (laughs) Not my style, but he is a he's a minor guy, so that that that's nice because I also am a minor symbol. Is nice, nice myself. So an aristocrat. Yes. Um, that'll be fun. Looking forward to it. Um, yeah, man. And then we should be back Monday. Well, ooh, we have to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, do you want to? We're going to skip Fourth of July. Next Monday isn't the fourth. No this this coming Monday is the twenty seventh. Is and the then following the f- Monday the fourth? The, yeah. So next show is the twenty seventh, and then the show after that's the fourth. So we I will, will not have to figure that out. Well, I was saying I will not be here for the fourth. It's National Metallica Day. It is. I will be uh, slightly fishnicket, trying not to blow myself up. Nice. Yes. Please, America. Go ahead and say it now. Be safe. Keep all your fingers and toes and other dangling participles. Yeah. My favorite thing on Fourth of July. What let someone. Scary? Let someone else light them. <laughs> or just use a really long lighter. Yeah, that, that too. That too. Yeah. So, All right, y'all. Have a good evening. If you're listening to this after the fact, 
good day, good morning, all that good stuff. See you later.